the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's called The Romance of Redemption. It's a series taken out of the Book of Ruth, which we're looking at next here on today's weekend edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. The Romance of Redemption. What a marvelous title for a great series out of the book of Ruth, don't you think? We're taking a look at the ruin of those redeemed. And indeed, to be redeemed, you need to know you need to be redeemed from something horrible. And that is the ruin of every man, woman, and child through the fall of Adam. And that can be found here in Ruth, chapter 1. Join us as we continue our series, The Romance of Redemption. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard and this weekend broadcast of Truth For Today. Ruth says to her mother-in-law, your God is my God. I met the God of Israel. I've given up the idolatry. I want the God of Abraham. And God's got to let this Gentile girl in. I believe. I'm a proselyte. You've got to let me in. And Where you lodge, Naomi, and I know you're a widow. I know you've sold your property. I know you don't offer me anything, and neither do I except a loyal love. Let me tell you this. The greatest thing you can give anybody is a loyal love. And that's all Ruth had to offer. And Naomi said, you don't have to go back if you love me that much. When I proposed to my wife, I was broke. I had $300 to my name. I was in finishing my second year of Bible college. We were 20 years old. I was already preaching. And I preached for small churches. Churches between 50 to 100 people. Their pastors made $5,000 a year. Her pastor made $5,000 a year. Her dad despised me because he was the son of of a preacher and he didn't want his daughter marrying a preacher because he was sick of the poverty they grew up with in the name of ministry and when I proposed to my wife at 19 no I was 19 that's when we became engaged I said to her Carolyn we can't afford to get married I'm still in school I'm in love with you. I don't want to sleep with you till we're married. I want you to be pure. I want to be pure. And all of our generation was sleeping with everybody. This is the 60s, free love, sex, and drugs. But you know Christ, and so do I. I'd rather be broke and pure than impure and rich. We'll marry, but we'll be broke. That's the only few. And then I said, the only thing I offer you 
is a loyal love. I will never love another woman enough to sleep with her, to have children with her. I promise you, I'll give you all of me. And she was in love enough to take the gamble. When ruin is all around you, here in the manure pile of the book of Judges, in the manure pile of idolatry, apostasy, backsliding, you get one of the purest depictions of love, and you'll see it between Ruth and Boaz, but it first starts that this Gentile girl had a love that would not let go. And I want to tell you, in the midst of ruinous times, the sweetest thing on this earth is when people love each other. Whether it's a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, whether it's you come together Thanksgiving or Christmas, it is terrible for families to fight with each other. It's terrible when hate is on any level. The greatest thing, the greatest thing this side of heaven and this side of the cross is when you become so devoted that you can love someone. And she did it in the tumultuous era when everybody is sleeping with everybody and everybody's going to another God and going to the high places in Israel and doing the abominable in God's sight and God says write this down write this down we don't even know who wrote Ruth it was written after the events and we see this loyal love finally we come to scene four and we um get a picture of Naomi's perspective when she comes back. Verse 19, So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. A good-sized town in this era would be about 500 people. So the grapevine went quick. Everybody knows you're in town. It's like you left Rodale. Well, everybody can know it in a day. I mean... Rodale's not that big, you know. But what if it's just 500 people? And, and so the grapevine. And the women said, is this Naomi? She'd been gone 10 years. And when she went out, she went with uh, Imelech. Uh, and a man that, uh, of standing was in a good family. A good man. She went out a married woman. Uh, things seemed fine except for the famine. And then they say, why, Naomi, no, don't, don't, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? How's that? He took my son He's taken my husband, and he's taken my land, and I come back a widow, broken woman. Somebody's been against me, and I see it as the Lord. The Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. There's many verses in the Bible that do say that God brings calamity on us. That's right. Not only good, but calamity. He brought the famine in the land. Uh, he caused the sons to be born puny, so puny they died, probably young. The two women are young enough to remarry. And uh, she's back in Bethlehem. At least she's in the right place. 
she finally got out of the land of Israel's enemies. God not blessing down in Moab. He blesses back in, in, in the land. And they happened to get back to Bethlehem. Of all things, Bethlehem. Little Bethlehem. Who would ever know that these two women are going to wind up becoming a part of the Messianic line? Who would have ever thought? Do you think Naomi thought as she came back to Bethlehem? Yippee! I'm going to be the great, 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 the great grandmother of the greatest king of Israel, David, who will foreshadow the greatest king of history, King Yeshua Messiah, over the nations. Had no clue. No clue. Because you see, sorrows had changed her perspective. God was no longer the God who blessed. He was the God who was against her. And she'd become a bitter woman. Now, there's two ways you can be bitter. Uh, You can be bitter because of an unresolved difference with people. And Ephesians says, put away all bitterness, anger, and wrath. Get rid of it. Uh, It's amazing how many people have been carrying garbage for 10 years. And they wonder, we wonder why we can't get a smile. If you knew how much garbage was in their heart, you would be amazed they even show up. That's why they don't sing. They're hoping that something will happen in the service that will, might do something. You know what you need to do? You need to empty the garbage can. And it's your heart. You need to forgive. You need to put it behind you. You need to put, put it back. But there's another way I think people become bitter. Sorrows. I've had trials where I was not good company. I've had trials where you better do the scripture quoting and you better do the talk because I don't have anything to say. I feel like I'm run over, beat up, and if you want to sing Lamentations, I'll join you on that, but put it in the minor key. Please don't hit a major chord. And she comes back this way. I went out full, I've come back empty. I have no future. The curtain is drawn over my life. It's over. I'm just biding time. And besides that, I'm now stuck with this girl that loves me. And I don't have any finances. I don't have any way to take care of her. Uh, I'm just stuck with a gal that won't let go. I, mean, I can almost see Ruth just clinging to her feet. I love you, mother. I love, well, I do to you, honey. But I can't give you a husband. I can't feed you. And we have no future. And you're not worth a hoot to help me solve that problem. Oh, oh, don't say too much, mother-in-law. Your future is going to be tied up in this girl. And some of you, um, you've drawn the curtain over your life because uh, God has not kept you from every sorrow and every pain. You have had a divorce. You do have children that are lost. You do have kids that don't talk to you. How do you live with that pain? What is your future? Um, Let me ask you this. Was Naomi a believer? Yeah, she was. And obviously Ruth had accepted the God of Israel. Let me ask you this. Now, now, Now think on this. Was, it hadn't been revealed yet, but let's ask. Was Romans... 
8.28 true in the book of Ruth. All things are working together for good to those who love God. How they love God. Now, are all things working together for good to us who've had calamity? Sorrows, pain. Do you really believe that? Good. So there's going to be times you want to choke that verse. It can't be working for good. Well, let me say this. Hear, hear this, this line. It's good. It's mine. I get this. Hear me. You've got to get this big point. This is the big point right now. If you miss this point, you can go home after you give your offering. When you don't know the plan, your problems will make you think there is no future. When you don't know the plan, they don't know what's going on. Your problems will make you think you have no... Everything's against me. You know where that phrase came, everything is against me? Let me give you some people. Jacob, Genesis 43. Let me just give you the context. Joseph's got a plot to get his father down to Egypt. You know what his plot is? He sends his brother back and said, you must bring me my brother Benjamin. He was his true birth brother. The others were by another woman. But this is my birth brother, Benjamin. You go back, and unless you bring Benjamin, there's no more grain, no more food, and I'm going to keep you other brothers here. You tell them to send Benji, or it's over. They go down to Jacob, who's already in his heart, has buried Joseph. He's got his sons down here in Egypt, and all of a sudden they say, we've got to send Benjamin, Dad. Or the, the man said, no more grain. And he's thinking, it's mine. I sent Joseph out to find his brothers, and he never came back. Now you're asking for Benjamin, the only other son I have by that wife? And he said this, everything is against me. And do you know what the truth was? Everything was working for him, but he didn't know the plan. He didn't know the plan. When you don't know the plan, you can think everything happening against you is taking away your future. Uh, another man, uh, Joseph himself. Could you imagine what Joseph was writing in his journal when he's in a prison cell for doing the right? And he's down there, and, and then he talks to the butler and the, the cupbearer, remember me, and some estimate it, it was five to ten years before they ever remembered him. And so he's spending his youth in a, uh, an Egyptian cell. He probably was put in that jail, maybe 20. So he's there. They figured he was 30 years old when he got. How would you like to spend some of the best years of your life in an Egyptian prison? I was in Morocco to a big prison. It was a big cave in the heart of the earth where they killed the crusaders. No, 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 no. This was not uh, color TV. This was not good conditions. And Joseph said, I know what you've meant for evil against me. God's worked for good eventually. But when you don't know the plan, you don't think you have a future. I think of Job. 
had no idea what was going on in the heavens. And he had a wife said, you need to curse a God like this that would let you go through so much calamity when you've been doing the right. And she was right if you didn't know the God that could let you suffer while he's getting ready to unveil the greatest plan in your life. Peter says, you will suffer, but after you have suffered a while, you shall come forth as pure gold. Never promised immunity from the suffering, but promised a purpose in it. And uh, I think of uh, this dear woman. And uh, providence is a theological term that God is continually involved with all creation in such a way that he keeps maintaining it. He keeps working alongside the actions of kings Not even a bird in this universe falls to the ground without God's permission. Nothing moves, lives, has its being, except in God's hand. Acts 17 on Mars Hill. You can't even move your hand if God doesn't determine it. You try it. You have a stroke. Watch my brother-in-law die. I knew he was in the last moments when I went to the doctor. She said, lift your left hand. He couldn't lift his left hand. I knew he was dying when 10 times in a week we picked him up. And one day I said, get, we got to get you in the bed, Richard. And, and he's laying in the floor. He says, I don't have the strength to get in the bed. You must. You must. But God had determined your strength is over. Every bit of strength. You can't even curse God unless he gives you enough strength to do it. I raise up Nebuchadnezzar. I raise up Hitler's. I raise up and allow the evil to even seem to be. I even allow Satan to test my servant Job. I control everything in the heavens and the earth. I'm not a God that's impotent. I'm not a God that has been trapped by man's sin or by Satan's strategies. I am God, and I have even raised up the wicked for the day of evil. But I will have the last say. This is our God. Our God. He is not a limp-wristed old man up there with paralysis. No, he is I am. I was telling God today in prayer, I am weak and and I need you. And I was using I am. And and as I said that a few times, oh, I'm talking about the wrong I am. And so I just wrote in my journal, I am. And I wrote down everything. And it was kind of an ugly list. But then I put but I serve and I am. And he's got all power, all sufficiency, all capability. He, he's the difference. And you know what he's saying? If I can talk to a bush, if I'm in it, I can use you, Howard. And I said, bush shining up. Here I am, bush showing up. I am, speak to a bush. And that's why God saved you. He could do something even with you. And the best we can call you is Brother Bush. Sister Bush. If you don't like that, he called you a cracked vessel in 2 Corinthians. We are vessels, containers of the message. But the word he used was ostrica. You're the kind that breaks every eight days. It was real cheap pottery. They put the water in it. It broke every eight days. And he said, you're a crackpot. But I want to put my message in you. 
I'll put my message in you. And if I don't hold you together, you'll fall apart. And so old Moody said, the only way a cracked vessel could remain full is under the fountain. You've got to stay under the fountain. You're cracked. You leak. You can't hold much. You've got to remain. Jesus said it this way. You've got to remain in contact with the vine. You can't do squat without me. That is the nice vernacular of America. You can do nothing without me. Try it. It'll ruin your life. So, what do we learn? God knows right where you are, even in a famine. Two, pain, loss, all have the threat of changing your perspective on God's will for your life. Dear child of God, I don't know what you're going in, going through or in. And dear, dear man or woman of God that is a church attender but not a believer, my heart aches for you because in your ruin there's no hope but Jesus. There's no future except in Jesus. And if you don't accept the kinsman redeemer, you have no future but... uh, eternal separation from God. I say that with no joy. It's, if I could, I would, I would eliminate the doctrine of hell. But I, I don't love any, I can't even be compared to how much God loves who said, I'll separate you from me for eternity if you don't run to my son. I, I won't separate you because you're ruined. I won't separate you because you're in sin. I won't separate you from your bad genealogy and your bad family tree and this sin and that. That's no, 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 no. It's where will you go with your ruin? Will you run to Jesus? Or will you say, I choose to suffer alone. And I'll go to the idle fixes of this world. They will all leave you thirsty, empty, and ruined. But if you're a child of God, there's meaning in the sorrow. There's meaning in the pain because there's a plan. God wants us to be a people of joy in our pain because we know he has a plan. I know the plans I have for you, Israel, for good, for hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. I just heard uh, Steve Green sing a song while I was studying I was playing, and I wrote down the words. I got it. They're not exactly right, but this is what I got. You don't have to have the plan in hand. I don't have to have the future in sight. I just have to follow you. By faith, obey you. My assignment is to follow you, not to know the future. And so I don't know what your ultimate future is going to be. I don't know how it's going to work out, whatever you're going through. I I don't know. I don't know how that cancer is going to work out. I don't know about that economics. I do not know. And you probably don't know for sure. But you know what? All you've got to be sure of is I'm going to follow the one that does know. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. May God help you in your sorrows, 
in the ruinous things we go through as humans, there is a Redeemer. And He will go with you and be with you. And it's this marvelous, marvelous love story. I'll try to do it in four sermons. I'll go next week. Then we have a two-week break because we're having Steve Fernandez. Then we're going to have Robert Richardson on the first. I'll come back to it in October eventually. But oh, if you would read Ruth and keep looking for the word. Redeem, Redeemer, Kinsman, 23 times. It's the picture of the Redeemer. Well, it is amazing to see this incredible love played out in the book of Ruth. The Romance of Redemption is the title of our series. Thank you for joining us here on this weekend edition of Truth For Today. Questions, comments about the program, feel free to write to us or call. Our toll-free number is 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You can also visit us online, drop an email there, and find out more about us, as well as take advantage of resource materials we have online, truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Now, if you prefer to write to us, we would encourage you to address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. We appreciate your time that you spend with us here every week on Truth For Today. It is through your financial and prayerful support, your gifts, and donations that allow this broadcast to continue. So please consider that as you take a moment to contact us here at Truth For Today and ask the Lord how you might give appropriately. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864, or you can even give securely online at our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.